take charge of your leadership development. Join our How to Take the Lead Substack community for bonus materials, exclusive content, and discussions that will challenge and change the way you lead. Visit howtotakethelead.com to find out more. We followed our own structure for having a difficult conversation, so I've loved that we've been able to role model that. And we'll leave people hanging with trying to work out what word that might be. <laughs> That's a good East Ender style end to the episode. What word was it? Welcome to How to Take the Lead, the podcast where we challenge the myths and stereotypes of what it means to be a leader today and help you to succeed in post without compromise. I'm Lee Griffith. And I'm Carrie Ann Wade. And together we will be your guides, questioning everything we've ever learned about leadership, sharing our experiences along the way, and inspiring you to make a real impact in your role. Visit howtotakethelead.com for show notes, past episodes, and to join our community. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of How to Take the Lead. Uh, before we get into the good stuff of this episode, I just wanted to let people know that you can find out more about How to Take the Lead and join our community over on our website, which is howtotakethelead.com. We are also now on YouTube if you want to see us as well as hear us, which some of you might want to. Uh, we are over there on YouTube for this series, launched for Series 3. Uh, we're also on the socials, Instagram and Twitter, so you can engage with us there, join the conversation. And if you like what we have been talking about, we would love for you to leave us a rating or a review. And why not share the episode with someone that you think might benefit from it? Basically, what we'd love you to do is join us on our mission to change leadership for the better in the modern world so um that's the spiel over lee you have waited patiently uh while i've gone through that have i missed anything and more importantly how are you you haven't missed anything and i'm i'm good i think there's some like added danger in today's recording so if anyone that's on youtube um you're going to get a treat because i think in this episode basically i record this episode upstairs in my office with the door closed obviously to stop the little doggy coming in and jumping all over us um but the husband's put the heating on and um so you're going to see the slow progression of me turning into a tomato i'll be like the tomato version of violet beauregard in uh, charlie and the chocolate factory i think <laughs> i'm loving that i was i wondered where this was going with that added danger i was like danger have we done a dangerous episode yeah <laughs> i'm not sure um, so, okay, we will, we will look out for that, Lee. I'm not sure I can't fan you from here or do anything that's going to be helpful, uh, by way of body temperature. If I start stripping off, yeah, you'll I'll, know. Just, I'll just carry on as if you're not, uh, stripping off. That's absolutely fine. So, um, on that note, let's get into what possibly was about to turn into a difficult conversation of its own. Um, this episode, um, I would really like us to explore what it feels like and how we can start to have or get better at having some of those uh, more difficult conversations that we might have to have as a leader, because it is definitely something that comes up for me um, with people that I work with around how they feel in terms of having to have some of those more challenging conversations with people. And as a leader, as in life in general, there will always be times when we will need to have those difficult and more challenging conversations that push us outside of our comfort zone. And they might be about all sorts of different um, kinds of circumstances. So I just wanted to talk through some of this uh, today, mm. if that's all right with you, Lee. Well, 
would I be having a difficult conversation if I said no? <laughs> well, yeah, there was a test there to see how you were going to handle that one. Um, so I'm glad we're on the same page with what we're going to talk about um, in this episode because that would be really awkward uh, if we weren't. Um, and I guess for me, the obvious place to start this conversation, or at least about obvious um, from my point of view, is maybe at that individual level. So we'll probably build up as we go through the episode, but as a leader you are going to be having conversations with individuals and uh, sometimes they are going to be challenging. So for example, you know, you might have to deal with an individual's performance that perhaps isn't coming up to the standard at which you would like it to be. Maybe it might might be about somebody's behaviours that you're needing to address. And one of the things that people often say to me is that they know they need to have this difficult or challenging conversation with an individual, but that they're just worried that they're not going to do it compassionately or it's just not going to come across as if they are being human and having any empathy for that person so that's kind of the space I wanted to start the first bit of the conversation from so what are your thoughts on that Lee? So the thing I think we all as humans so let's take work out of it but even when you're having a difficult conversation in your personal life so often it can get to a point of conflict and tension because of how we approach the conversation to begin with and you, you almost create this this you and them situation and that's where defensiveness can creep in and I think once you experience that then it makes the whole anxiety around having more of the same conversations and I think the same is, is to be said when you're in a leadership role as well thinking about how you're framing and approaching that conversation from the very off. So for me, I think it's all about how do you have conversations that are evidence-based and you make it from a point about you and not them. So you're not trying to project something onto them because that's often what happens and that's where the defensiveness can come in. So I think it's really clear about you need to kind of call it out and say what's happened then you need to be clear on what the impact is for you. So no blame, no judgment in that, but it made me feel like, or yeah. something similar. I can't think of another word you might or, use. Yeah, as, as a result of this has yeah. meant something can't happen on time or whatever yeah. the thing is, yeah. And then you need to say what you want to happen in the future. Make it really tangible, because I think that's where we often fall down because we'll say oh we didn't like this and it, it it made this happen or whatever and then you just leave it like the person's a mind reader and I think there's something about boundary setting in conversations and having difficult conversations is when you can be really tangible with an evidence-based from the very offset I think you need to be clear if you've are feeling that it's a difficult conversation, you know, acknowledge that emotion from the offset. If you're finding it hard to have an honest, honest conversation, say that, let them know how you're feeling because that actually can help the dynamic. You know, I'm, I'm finding it really difficult to, to have this conversation with you, but it's important because it can really help to frame it and then go on to the evidence base. So that, yeah, that's my, my view on how you would on an individual level frame that conversation. And I really like that because from your point of view, and you obviously can't control how the other person is going to respond or react, but from your point of view, approaching it with that evidence base and with the 
and so in future or you know what's that that out desired outcome from your point of view that you're trying to achieve takes all of that emotion out of it a bit doesn't it because I think sometimes when conversations with individuals can feel challenging and then when you're in them they feel even more challenging is because they can feel quite emotionally charged and you Mm. I think you have to try and find a way at least from your point of view to take that emotion kind of out of it so that idea of being very factual I think is really helpful with kind of just lowering that emotional kind of vibe in that conversation yeah Uh, there's a there's a book you know I love my book recommendations and again it's on the leadership recommended reading list that we we've pulled together for this year which you can get at howtotaketheleap.com um and it's called connect and it by I'm looking up at my shelf now because I forgot what you're looking up for looking up for inspiration (laughs) no it's by uh, David Bradford and Carol Robin and it's really helpful at looking at the dynamics of things like having difficult conversations giving feedback to someone and all that and how you break it down in a way how you tackle perhaps when someone's not listening to what you've got to say and how you take emotions out of it. So it's, it's all about the emotional intelligence behind building that connection with someone. Yeah, I think yeah, good recommendation and good plug for the reading list. So thank you, Lee. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think that kind of bringing it down. And I, I liked what you said about don't make it about you, but do acknowledge that you are potentially finding this a challenging conversation. And I definitely know I've been in those situations and they've been conversations as well that I probably procrastinated around having because I'm like, mm. oh, this is not going to land mm. well. Some of them have been about people not being successful in getting promotions, for example, or, you know, really stuff mm. that is really meaningful for that other person's life. And actually just to acknowledge that this is going to be a difficult conversation and that, and that actually what you want to do is support somebody through that, I think is a really important way of framing some of that conversation for the other person. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about as an individual and we haven't gone into loads of detail about all the various different circumstances whereby you might find yourself having those difficult conversations. But I think people have got the gist of um, how you might want to frame that at an individual level. So moving it up a notch now, I guess there's also uh, those times as a leader when you're going to have to have those challenging conversations, maybe with a team or Mm. a wider group of people. So an example I might give is say you're going to have to have a conversation with a team about their future in the organization, about their performance as an entire team, about the fact that there might maybe be, for example, a restructure coming. So you can kind of get the idea of what sort of conversations might happen at the team level. But it feels like that's a different type of conversation to have and that you might need to consider some different things maybe some is the same around the framing but there might be other things that you need to consider when you're having a challenging conversation with that wider group so what sort of things would be on your mind as you're preparing to have that type of conversation as a leader Lee? I think the main thing is you can't take a one-size-fits-all approach in how you have those conversations and, and give that feedback you need to tailor your approach for the different people and personalities in your team and meet their different needs and I've been in situations both giving and receiving feedback and it can be hard you know not to get angry or despondent if you feel you're being unfairly lumped in with everyone else say for example if there was a performance issue being fed back and it almost can create that 
naughty school teacher and children dynamic rather than a healthy adult relationship, which as a, as a leader, that's what you're trying to nurture. You're not trying to be a parent to the people who, who you work with. So I think that's an important thing to, to take into account. And then I think often as leaders, we don't always think about what's the real outcome that we're trying to achieve and the best way of trying to connect people to achieve that outcome. And, and I think the approach is the same, whether you're saying something positive or, or potentially perceived as negative. So it's about the timing. It's about the message. It's about who the best person is to deliver that message because it might not always be you. It's about considering how do you deliver the message and then recognising that you've got the process of transmitting your message, but then you've got how others receive it and what their reaction is to that and often we just think about what our goal is oh we need to we need to disseminate this and we don't think and then what or what are we trying to change so often you might see situations where a leader will just um say something and then disappear and not give an opportunity for discussion or questions and all of that kind of stuff it's it's a bit like in the social media world where they say don't post and ghost it's very much the same <laughs> in the leadership world you you can't just put something out there and then not not be willing to ha to engage in a dialogue around it particularly if you're looking to see some kind of change as, as a as an outcome of it yeah and I think that is a really important point that you raised there because it, quite often I think because you are perceiving that this conversation is going to be difficult like your natural reaction might be have the conversation and move on but the different needs of different people in that group is really important isn't it and there'll be people who need a lot longer to assimilate and come to terms with yeah. the information that's been shared in that meeting for example that then might want to check back in later there'll be people who straight away will have loads of questions and want to you know ask them and it's about that preparation time around how you're going to manage that and are you going to build in to the time for that conversation you know a bit of time for Q&A are you going to build in follow-up time for so it's not a said it now and go because people might want to come back are you mm. going to have an opportunity for individuals to come and have a conversation with the relevant person who might not feel as comfortable sharing their thoughts in a group setting so I absolutely think that that um, need to put things in place to meet the different needs of, of the people in that group is really important and there can be stages we we talk a lot about engagement and the need to have pre-conversations before decision making and I think that needs to be taken into account as well and being really clear in the way that you're communicating at what stage you are in a conversation can be really helpful to signal that and signal how people can or can't get involved in, in taking that conversation forward. I think the can and can't bit is really important as well, isn't it? Because we sometimes end up in a space where actually some of the decision or some of what's going to happen isn't going to be open to any level of negotiation because that's just what is going to be happening but it's about being clear about that so you're setting yeah. the right expectations about what people have the um, ability to potentially change and shape into the future and what they absolutely might not for whatever reason that might be so that expectation setting for people before they go into the straight into the conversation I think is is very important so good good points made I think so um, and I'm sure we've all found ourselves in those situations around, you know, having to have those difficult conversations with teams. I think there's something also for me, which is good, just good conversational practice anyway, regardless of whether it's individual or 
um, or with teams, but also about checking back what you're hearing because yeah. that conversation is very unlikely to be one way and people are going to express a view about what you've said. And actually you need to check back with people that like what I think I'm hearing you say is this just to, so that you are really clear when you walk away from that conversation about where you think people are at that moment in time in the room. Yeah, everything we've said so far is is almost assuming the conversation is something that happens verbally and actually a conversation can be written. It can be in lots of different ways in, in however people may choose to give feedback or disseminate a message. So um, we can't just assume, and again, that's about tailoring approaches to people and times and all of that kind of stuff. So we can't just assume a difficult conversation that is only something that happens face-to-face in a verbal kind of setting. Are you a public sector senior leader who wants to make a great impact in your role? Are you struggling to take people with you? Are you working in the weeds or tackling things that your training hasn't prepared you for? Do you want to stop second guessing your approach and show up in a way that feels true to your personality and values? At Sunday Skies, I specialise in helping leaders like you communicate with impact so that you can improve organisational performance, engagement and reputation. Sign up to my email list at sundisguise.com forward slash email. So you've mentioned social media already with the don't post and ghost, which I love. And I'm not sure I've heard that before, but I like it. I like it because it rhymes, I think. Um, but um, now more than ever as leaders, we are operating in an environment where we are perhaps more public facing than we've been before. Um, and social media is one part of that in terms of mm. how we're showing up and how people are choosing to engage with us or not. But, you know, we should... I imagine in our organisations be as focused on the external world as we are our internal world, you know, focus on our clients, our stakeholders. So how do you think that impacts on how we operate when we're communicating challenging things? I love it when a sigh comes because this is potentially going to be a soapbox (laughs) moment. Uh, So, I I mean, at risk of perhaps treading over ground we've covered in, in other episodes. I think, again, this is one of those areas where you're not quite prepared for how to handle this as a leader. And you might falsely go into a leadership position. And let's be honest, it's probably a more senior leadership position where you're having to do the big outward facing piece or, or representing the organisational piece. But you might have a false sense of security or you know what you're doing because you've done it on an individual level or you've done it on a team level and maybe you've done them in in smaller groups at a lower level in your organization and it's been almost a safer space for you to have those conversations you might be if if I think about the health service a a clinician who's really used to doing one-on-one difficult conversations with people about their health results for example but nothing prepares you for perhaps the different context and situations that you have to have difficult conversations when you're a more senior leader. And I think that if you look at some of the scenarios that you know you deal with as a senior leader, so suddenly you're dealing with um, possible vexatious members of the public or even vexatious members of staff who, who wish to ex- escalate and haven't been in a team you don't know, um, or not even vexatious, just someone who's vocal and complains. 
Um, you might be having to deal with the media. You might be having to front public facing events and presenting big strategic plans for your organization that could be deemed as being unpopular. Um, and no one prepares you for that kind of stuff. And I think that's one of the challenges that, that where sometimes leaders can fall down, I suppose, because they think they know what to do and how to handle people because they've done it at, at a one-on-one and at a local kind of team level. And it's just so different organisationally. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It isn't something that you get trained on necessarily or prepared for. It's just you become a leader and it's assumed that you'll know how to deal with all of these potentially difficult conversations, no matter who they're with. And I think there is something more nerve wracking, I guess, like you say, so maybe internally or at lower levels in your organisation, it feels safer. But I think there is something about being in that external space, which does uh, uh, rightly or wrongly make you feel maybe more nervous about how you're having that conversation and what you might say because of it being in the public as it were like it's almost like that I can't take it back although I would say that in some of our organizations that that leaders are working in obviously whatever you say into your organization has potential to then be in the public domain Mm -hmm. Um, but I just think it does feel like more of a um yeah, just it just feels more risky maybe that how I'm going to handle this conversation publicly is potentially going to, you know, has potential maybe to blow up or it will be there forever for everyone to, to kind of look at and see if it's something on socials, for example. So kind of how how can you deal with some of that nervousness? Because my, my worry is that some leaders will feel that nervousness and then choose to retreat and not deal with the challenging issue. Yeah. That, probably yeah. does need to be dealt with yeah. in a more public forum and I think there's there's different things that will be at play so there's that that scared of being trolled or becoming the the hate figure cancelled whatever we go whatever yeah yeah we've picked that up in in previous series when we've talked about being an ally for example as a reason why some some people don't want to show up for fear of getting it wrong and um, I do also think there's that there's the thing around popularity as well and wanting to be liked and not liking the fact that there could be possibly people out there that won't like you or won't share your views and all of that so it goes back again to some some mindset work you need to do as a leader um and recognizing that you recognizing and accepting that you won't always get it right that you won't be popular all the time and then I think there's the things of most stuff that you do you can prepare for most strands of work that you're working on you'll have the opportunity to do the prep work do the mindset work maybe do some reflection afterwards so I think that's fairly easy to navigate and make sure you've got the right support network around you that you can test stuff out with people all of that I think then you've got the the unknown and we talked a lot about making sure you use your voice and and that can be making sure that you're getting involved in conversations that are difficult and tackling things particularly when we look at issues of bias and discrimination and standing up and being an ally and all of that that can feel like a difficult conversation that you might have to have as a leader um and again 
there might be times where it feels like you can't prepare for that situation, but actually you probably can because you can see what other colleagues are doing in situations and reflect how would I handle that differently. You could think, well, what's my position on X, Y, and Z issue? And if I'm asked to comment, what would I say? Um, you could think about, you know, what do, what do I stand for and how do I want to be showing up in certain places? So I do think that there are, in the vast majority of cases, you can do some form of preparation and then there's a bit of feel the fear and do it anyway <laughs> that, needs to, <laughs> that needs to come into it. Absolutely. And and I guess just on your point of like learning and prepping, even for things that you are not sure might even happen or that may become a bit left field, you know, there are always those case studies out there about other leaders or other organisations that have or haven't handled things well in the public domains when things have happened. So even if even if what comes to mind is an organisation or a leader who you feel hasn't handled something particularly yeah. well, there is always learning in there, isn't there, about, okay, I don't want to do it like that because I can see that it landed really terribly in the media or that organization's customers really, there was backlash from them in the way they handled, you know, saying sorry for something or not, you know. So I definitely think there is that opportunity to always be scoping out those um, kind of examples of the good and bad leadership and how you might handle those similar situations mm. as a leader. And where where have you ever seen um, a case where it's turned out well for someone who's just buried their heads in the sand and refused to engage on a difficult mm. issue it yeah. affects your reputation whether you engage or not yeah absolutely it's just and how I, much you want to control that and I know we've talked about that before on the show and I'm sure we'll talk about it again but yeah you're, you're absolutely right about considering the impact you want to have what you stand for and your reputation I think are important in the decision making around how you're going to choose to deal with some of those more public facing kind of big conversations that might that might be about difficult topics so we've gone from the micro to the macro individual to that wider outside of your organization difficult conversation you might have to have so as a leader what support might we need to prepare ourselves and equip us to handle some of these difficult conversations and you've touched on that preparation already but is there more advice that you would give to leaders who are potentially going to find themselves in these situations where they're having challenging conversations? I think for me, there is something about your general approach to nurturing and building relationships with people. So that's something that you can do every day. And I, I think particularly about situations in my past career where um We've had difficult issues that we've had to deal with as an organisation and how when things went really wrong, not having the right relationships externally just piled on the pressure for us. And once we really focused on building those relationships, it wasn't that we didn't get the pressure when things went wrong, but we were able to have a more open and transparent conversation with people and we were able to have a private conversation with people that might be different to the public conversation that they would then go on and talk about and think particularly some MPs that we, we dealt with. But if you don't put the work in, in, in working on relationships and dialogue to build that stock up for when things get difficult, I think that's a really important proactive step that you should be taking as a, as a leader, understanding who your stakeholders are and understanding who your support network is because you need to be able to 
um, when things do get tricky on, on the macro scale, being able to pick up the phone to someone and go, look, this is what I'm thinking. How would you handle it? Have you got any advice? All of that really is really helpful and important and gives you a, a, a different perspective to consider. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think there's something for me as well around, um, it's obviously really closely linked to the relationship building thing, that trust, like have yeah. you created uh, a trust in environment and culture that your teams and that your stakeholders are operating in? Um, yeah. And particularly for some of those challenging conversations that might be more internally focused around, um, you know, performance, challenging behaviours. I think if that trust is there, then those conversations can start and come from a place that feels very different um, to a place where where there isn't that trust and that safety to have those conversations. So I think you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. It's all about the groundwork that you're able to put in to kind of build that uh, on your journey as a leader. And I think it's also linked to that. It's it's about so it's about building the relationship. But it's understanding other people's motivations as well, because often we can go into conversations at any level based on what we need to get out of it, and we don't prep for what the other person might need, what they might need from you, what they might need to hear, what they might need to satisfy their stakeholders if they're going to buy in and get engaged. So we we look at perhaps conversations in a very one-sided one-dimensional way we absolutely need to look at it in a 4d kind of i'm doing my hands everywhere <laughs> <laughs> for those that aren't watching on youtube there's a lot of hand action going on to make something uh more more three or four dimensional um i would also say um on that point as well around kind of when you go into that conversation you've got the thing that you want to get acknowledging that the other person or group of people might want something different part of your prep for that conversation could be what is your compromise point where yeah. would you be willing to negotiate or make a compromise to get to an end result that still feels like you've taken a positive step and I think sometimes if you go in as you've said too focused on I need to get this from a conversation rather than thinking about what the other person then might feel it, it can leave you a bit of a dead end if you haven't got a space where you can go to for a compromise or come back for a further conversation where you can negotiate something a bit different so I think that's a really useful useful thing to point out and just to build a little bit on that in terms of support I think often you know we've talked a lot about building those long-standing relationships but sometimes you'll be new to the mm. leadership space and is is there something different you would start to say to people who are maybe new leaders who are very quickly faced with having to maybe have some challenging conversation not not hugely different to be honest with you I mean I think there's something about uh if you're new into a role or into an organization regardless of the situation and context you need to focus on relationship building mapping out who your stakeholders are and and their role might be in different situations and your first you know month two months should be focused on absolutely building relationships and starting to develop connections if something were to happen in those early days that means you've got to engage with someone and you don't know them then I think it's about looking for who does know them and how you can utilize so there might be other people in your organization that can help support that conversation 
you might not be the best person to have that conversation. Obviously, if you're the most senior person in an organization, you probably are the right person, but then you're dealing with probably another very senior person. And there is, a, you know, you can just, it goes back to that first point about being open and honest about, look, I'm new. I don't necessarily understand the history or the context of everything, but this is the situation that we're dealing with. So you, 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 you play to that. You, you make the point that, that you are where you are and that will be far more accepting, I suppose. But don't be dismissive of the history and all of that because some, some people can be bringing a lot of baggage or emotion because of how they've been treated in the past, maybe by your predecessor, maybe by the organisation as a whole. So you can't make assumptions and there might need to be a bit of bridge building before you ask something of someone. Yeah. I think for me, what we've been talking about throughout this conversation is so linked to that emotional intelligence piece. And Mm. I know we've got a whole episode on that that we've recorded previously, if anybody would like a listen. Um, it, It is an interesting one, but it is about that emotional intelligence isn't it being able to kind of judge when's the right time how you know how to handle these situations being aware being empathetic understanding where people are coming from so um yeah I really like the points you've made there and and particularly helpful for new leaders so we've got to that point in the conversation where it's the how-to's time and I know we've just talked about some practical stuff that people could do but if you had to leave listeners with one or two practical tips or how-tos around having a difficult conversation as a leader what what would you most want to leave them with in terms of advice Lee um preparation evidence build relationships work on your mindset don't take it personally I love that I have nothing to add I was I was honestly all about the preparation and the evidence but now I'm also all about the relationships and the and the mindset stuff so I'm loving it so um thank you so much I'm glad that wasn't a difficult conversation for us to have I think I don't think we've reached that stage yet in our collaboration have we Lee where we've had to have a really difficult conversation with each other well maybe we have but because we have an open dialogue and we're because I, I could think of one thing where there was a word that you Uh-oh. use oh yes there is yeah there and I had one. to have that that feedback of I don't like this because of what, and what I would prefer for you to do is <laughs> yeah yeah that's so very have, true we have had those moments but we've got a maturity in our relationship and we've we've followed our own yes we followed our own structure for having a difficult conversation so I've loved that we've been able to role model that and we'll leave people hanging with trying to work out what word that might be <laughs> that's a good east ender style end to the episode what word was it <laughs> thank you so much for listening everybody don't forget to uh, like us follow us if you don't already and to get future episodes straight uh, straight into your inbox Um, and we would love it if you would share this or any other episode that's been useful to you um, with uh, people that you think might benefit so uh, thank you so much everyone and see you for the next episode soon Thanks for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit follow and share the show with someone you know. Oh, that rhymes. A rating or review will be much appreciated. If you're looking for some leadership inspiration, why not get a free copy of our recommended reading list? Visit howtotakethelead.com to download. Until next week, get out there and take the lead.